Our Hebrew scripture reading this morning comes from the sixth chapter of Micah. The people with all of their insecurities are grappling with the question, what does God want? How much must they sacrifice or pray or do before God is pleased? The prophet Micah imagines how God might respond. May we have ears to hear the voice of God in this reading. What shall I bring when I come before Yahweh and bow down before God on high, you ask? Am I to come before God with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Will Yahweh be placated by thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Should I offer my firstborn for my wrongdoings, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Listen here, mortal. God has already made abundantly clear what good is and what Yahweh needs from you. Simply do justice, love kindness, and humbly walk with your God. Our epistle reading this morning comes from the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. The leaders of the churches in Corinth have begun splitting into factions, each seeking to prove their spiritual superiority over the other. Paul, writing a letter to the congregation, points out the silliness of any competition for superiority when the point of Christianity is to die for ourselves so that God's Spirit can love through us. He redefines their ideas of wisdom and strength in light of the life and death of Christ. May we hear the challenge and encouragement of these ancient words. For the message of the cross is to complete absurdity to those who are headed for ruin, but to those who are experiencing salvation, it is the power of God. Scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and throw up the learning of the learned. Where are the wise? Where are all their scholars? Where are the philosophers of this age? Has not God turned the wisdom of his world into folly? If it was God's wisdom that the world in its wisdom would not know God, it was because God wanted to save those who have faith through the foolishness of the message we preach. For while the Jews call for miracles and the Greeks look for wisdom, here we are preaching a Messiah nailed to a cross. To the Jews, this is an obstacle they cannot get over, and to the Greeks, it is madness. But to those who have been called, whether they are Jews or Greeks, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your calling, sisters and brothers. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential, and surely not many were well-born. God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame the wise and singled out the weak of this world to shame the strong. The world's low-born and despised, those who count for nothing, were chosen by God to reduce nothing those who were something. In this way, no one should boast before God. God has given you life in Christ Jesus and has made Jesus our wisdom, our justice, our sanctification, and our redemption. This is just as it was written. Let the one who would boast, boast in our God. Our gospel reading is one of the most treasured and widely quoted pieces of scripture in the Christian canon. 
Having been baptized in the Jordan and tempted in the desert, Jesus calls a modest band of disciples and begins ministering throughout Galilee. Calling his disciples close, he begins to teach them about the path to enter the kingdom of heaven, which is ever at hand. May we find direction in this precious teaching. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside, and after he sat down and the disciples had gathered around, Jesus began to teach them. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who are mourning, they will be consoled. Blessed are those who are meek, they will inherit the land. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, they will have their fill. Blessed are those who show mercy to others, they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those whose hearts are clean, they will see God. Blessed are those who work for peace, they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their struggle for justice. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are fortunate when others insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of slander against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, for your reward in heaven is great. They persecuted the prophets before you in the very same way. Have you ever said the word umbrella over and over again so many times that it just stops sounding like a word at all? It loses its meaning. It just starts sounding like a jumble of sounds. Umbrella, 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 umbrella. You can try it at home. <laughs> I sometimes feel like this is the case with the Beatitudes. Dallas Willard is a Christian philosopher who once wrote, the Beatitudes of Jesus are among the literary and religious treasures of the human race. Along with the Ten Commandments, the 23rd Psalm, and the Lord's Prayer, and a few other passages from the Bible, they are acknowledged by almost everyone to be among the highest expressions of religious insight and moral inspiration. It's true. You hear them referenced and alluded to all the time. But like Umbrella, it feels like they've been used so many times and in so many different ways that they lose their meaning and they just start sounding like a jumble of moral-ish platitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. What does that mean? Are we supposed to be doing those things? Are we supposed to be meek? Are we supposed to be making ourselves mourn? Or are they just a description of the kind of people that are included in the kingdom? Are they, as I've heard one preacher claim, unattainable reminders of how terrible humans are and how much we need God's grace? I really don't think so. What if instead we read them as counter-narrative, wisdom meant to push up against and subvert the common narratives and egoic conventional wisdom of the day, stories about what makes a good person or makes life worth living. John Deere, a Catholic priest, once wrote that bad people didn't kill Jesus. Normal people did. The people so offended by his presence were not supervillains, but just the ones who so strongly identified with those ego-based common narratives that they saw Jesus as a grave threat. He was crucified not by hate, but by conventional wisdom. And that is a conflict you can trace right back to his first recorded teachings, the Beatitudes. 
The Beatitudes represent a path of transformation meant to help us expose the lies of the ego's wisdom and help us more fully embrace the wisdom of the Spirit. In other words, there are two kinds of wisdom. First, the wisdom of the kingdoms of the world. This is the script that we commonly hear in our heads, the sort of uh, cause and effect that we believe will make us happy or blessed, but it never quite seems able to deliver. And then there's the wisdom of the kingdom of heaven, a different kind of script, the one that directed Jesus's life. It's found in the great wisdom traditions and one which leads us to actual satisfaction or actual blessing. The Beatitudes then, like a 12-step program, help us to divest ourselves from the wisdom of the kingdom of the world and move more fully into the wisdom of the kingdom of heaven. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and thwart the learning of the learned, Paul taught. God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. And if this is the case, then maybe the best way to rescue the Beatitudes from a state of banality, the best way to hear their punch, is to put them back to back against the wisdom scripts that they're critiquing. And if we were to do that, it would sound like this. You have heard it said, What does it take to be happy? Well, you'll need a strong spirit. You'll be happy when you've worked enough, earned enough, won enough, or proven enough. When you have enough respect, money, security, or knowledge. When the world around you looks exactly like you want it to, then you will be satisfied. Blessed are those with a strong spirit, for they can obtain heaven. But I say to you, you can build all the wealth and respect in the world and never actually be satisfied, because it's a rigged game. The more you play, the more elusive winning becomes, and the payoff never lasts. The truth is, you already have what you need. You are already worthy of unconditional love, just as you are. Learn to embrace that, and your need to play those other games just fades away. Heaven can't be built and it can't be obtained because it's already here in this moment. It can only be embraced. Your work as a human isn't to have a spirit strong enough to achieve heaven. It's to let that spirit die and discover the kingdom of heaven is already yours. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. You've heard it said. What does it take to be happy? Avoid suffering. It doesn't matter if the pain is yours or someone else's. Stay away at all costs. Don't worry, there are plenty of ways to go about this. You can get enough money to insulate yourself from it. You can medicate against it. There are plenty of things to help you with that. You can distract yourself. I mean, you've got your TV, you've got your phone. Just for God's sake, don't feel it. Blessed are those who avoid suffering, for they will be okay. But I say to you, feeling death is the only way to feel resurrection. Allowing yourself to feel pain is the only way to connect 
to the present, which is where the healing is. We lose people. People we thought we'd never lose. Marriages end. Visions for the future slip away. Those things hurt. Let yourself hurt. It's okay. Because until you allow yourself to feel that pain, you will be enslaved by it, trapped in it. You'll be blocked from the consolation that only comes from letting it out. There is so much suffering in this world. There is so much injustice. And we want nothing more than to look away and think of more pleasant things. But when you look at it in its eyes, when you mourn, in solidarity with the world, then that pain turns into compassion. Your heart breaks with God's, and it's only then that you can become the healing that this world needs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they are the only ones who will find consolation. Then you've also heard it said, what does it take to be happy? You have to own things, possess them, dominate them. Land, resources, a spouse. Sure, you may need to scratch and claw and slap, but when you have control, when you're sure it's yours, then you will be satisfied. Blessed are those who dominate, for they will own the earth. But I tell you, blessed are the meek and the gentle. You don't need to own or dominate to get what you need. You don't need to buy an orchard to know the sweetness of an apple. It grows out of the ground. What good does it do you to own the whole world but forfeit your ability to find joy in it? You don't need to own things to find joy in them. Just be present to them. Be grateful for them. You need to let go of your need to own and dominate, and when you do, you'll discover that everything is already yours to enjoy. The earth belongs to God, and as children of God, the earth is yours. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You've heard it said, what does it take to be happy? Well, when you crave something, when you're hungry and thirsty for it, then you'll be happy when you get it. This one's not hard, it's just nature. You'll have your fill and you'll be satisfied. Whether that's food, a stiff drink, clothes or new toys, the only way to satisfy that itch is to scratch it. Blessed are those who satisfy their hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. But I tell you that there are some hungers and thirsts that tear this world apart. When we buy our clothes, do we know who made them or what they were paid? When we order a new gadget, do we know the price our planet is paying and who will suffer for it? When we eat too much food, do we consider the woman watching her children starve? Our wealth, on whose back was it built? We can indulge every craving. And not only will we still be hungry, but our indulgence will actually cause us and the world around us greater suffering. Hunger and thirst for justice, though, with compassion 
and connection. And you'll find the satisfaction that you would never be able to find with all of the food, drink, or possessions in the world. So I say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will truly have their fill. You have heard it said. You'll be happy when others act like they should. The goal here is to punish them into submission, and you've got all sorts of tools at your disposal to make this happen. Guilt, shame, anger, spitefulness, violence. Or if that's not your speed, how about passive aggression, talking about others behind their back, or holding grudges? And if they won't learn their lesson, then make an example of them. At least then everyone else can learn what happens when you step out of line. Isn't this how God feels toward humanity? Blessed are those who punish iniquity, for they will achieve justice. But I tell you, you are all made of the same dust with the same divine breath in your lungs. If you'd been born into their situation, faced with their choices, wouldn't you be acting the exact same way? Let he or she who is without sin cast the first stone. The only logical response is grace and mercy. That is how God feels about you. God is not angry. God is not holding grudges. God looks at you with eyes of infinite empathy, patience, and mercy loving you just as you are. So accept others the way they are. Love them and allow them to bloom. And as you learn this way of being with others, then you can certainly learn it towards yourself. Blessed are those who show mercy to others, for they will be shown mercy. You have heard it said, Blessed are those whose hands are clean, you're doing it right if you don't do anything wrong. Go to church, read your Bible, don't kill anyone, don't steal, don't commit adultery, or better yet, just avoid sex altogether. Wash your hands before you eat, keep a good diet, exercise, clean the house, treat others with civility. Then when others see you, they'll see you are pure and respectable, and God will approve of you. Blessed are those whose hands are clean, for they shall see God. But I tell you, whitewash a tomb, landscape it, build a picket fence around it, and put up a mailbox. There's still nothing but death on the inside. Most religion is just concerned with getting people to keep their hands clean, but they leave the heart untouched. Often the most religious people with the cleanest hands are the most cruel and judgmental and are the farthest from the Spirit of God. What they see as God is actually just a baptized version of their worst selves. So I say, blessed are those whose hearts are clean, because they will see God. You've also heard it said, You'll be safe after you can do whatever it takes to bring the world into order, to subdue evil and eliminate threats. If this means making war, if this means it's us or them, so be it. The ends justify the means. Do what needs to be done so that good may prevail. Again, is this not how God works? 
Blessed are those who conquer evil, for they will be called children of God. But I tell you that true peace has never been achieved through violence. Because there's a difference between peace and immediate control. If you want lasting peace, the kind of peace where the needs of every side are met, and every side keeps their dignity, then peace must be the road you walk to get there. The ends must be internal to the means. God, who sends rain on the just and the unjust alike, is the ultimate source of patience and courage and compassion. Giving up your spirit of pride and control and embracing the Holy Spirit is the only way to make peacemaking work. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be recognized as the children of God. But be warned, because this is dangerous work. The kingdoms of this world, in their pride, do not take kindly to peacemakers. After all, you've heard it said, What's the matter with you? Whose side are you on? You're being un-American. You're being un-Christian. Blessed are those who keep the approval of the people, for that's how they know they're in the right. But I tell you, things are not right just because people say they are. Those who think they're benefiting from an unjust system are afraid of any challenges. And they will channel that fear into anger towards anyone who dares speak the truth. The truth that their kingdoms actually cause suffering. They'll kick you out of their synagogues, and they'll think they're honoring God by doing it. They'll attack you. They'll try to discredit you. They may even kill you. But friends, you will not die. Because you've died already. Because you've died to your false self, to your ego, to the kingdoms of this world, and it's no longer you that live, but the spirit of love living through you, and that is immortal. Blessed are those who are persecuted for their struggle for justice. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. When people insult you and come after you and utter every kind of slander against you because of me, then you're in the company of the prophets and freedom fighters and holy women and men who came before you. So be glad and rejoice in the kingdom of heaven. Bad people didn't kill Jesus. Conventional wisdom did. The voices we hear in our heads every day, the voice of the ego, the false wisdom of the kingdoms of this world. Blessed are the strong, those who do not suffer, those who dominate, those who indulge, who punish iniquity, whose hands are clean, who conquer evil, those the people approve of. This is the shape of the voice that promises so much and delivers so little, that causes us so much suffering, which overflows into the suffering of the world. And this is why we need the Beatitudes, because they are the antidote. They shine light on the lie and light our way to freedom, to actual satisfaction, happiness, love. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who grieve, 
the meek, those who hunger and thirst for justice, who show mercy, whose hearts are clean, who work for peace, those who make people uncomfortable. The Beatitudes represent a path of transformation meant to expose the lies of the ego's wisdom and help us to more fully embrace the wisdom of the Spirit. For I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and thwart the learning of the learned. God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The Beatitudes are the way to liberation, of dying to ourselves and to that false wisdom so that we may awaken, so that we may be resurrected into new life in the kingdom of heaven, which is at hand right now in this moment. The Beatitudes of Jesus are among the literary and religious treasures of the human race. May we have the courage and the vulnerability to allow them to change us. And in doing so, change everything. Amen.